I was the guy in college who was kind of known for going against the grain. And uh, every single time I went against the grain, like I got more confident in myself because I'm just like, yeah, like I can go against the grain and I can still be like great uh, at whatever I would do. Um, like so someone would say like, oh, you can't work and do like running and school. And like, all right, I'll show you. I worked three jobs and I took school uh, full time and ran D1 college athletics. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Veg Talk podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Davey. I'll be sharing conversations that I've had with people who are helping us to live healthier and more compassionate lives through our food choices and daily actions. We'll be hearing from people who are changing the game in their respected fields, whether it be business, sport, food, social media, writing, tech, activism, politics, and more. Now, please allow me to introduce my next guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Or welcome to the Veg Talk podcast for the first time. It's great to have you here. So let's start off with another update. I enjoyed checking in with everyone last week, so let's do it again. I'm coming to the end of my stint down in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I've been here for two weeks and it's been awesome. I've been house-sitting, looking after a dog named Macy and a cat named Indigo, and they've been really good company for the last two weeks. Anna came down as well for the second week and she's just gone home tonight. I'll be leaving Tennessee tomorrow and heading back to Boston. I've got another week before the 18-mile race in Central Park. So the training has gone really well down here. It's a, there's a beautiful urban trail uh, that goes along the river and I've been doing uh, mostly, you know, mostly running. I've done a bit of uh, cycling and a bit of uh, walking mixed in every day with the dog. So I feel as prepared as I could possibly be for uh, an 18 mile event with about one month's worth of training. Probably not recommended, but I'm going to challenge myself and I'm sure I'll be, uh, I'll be crossing the finish line next week. So now for episode number eight of the podcast with professional distance runner, Garrett Kenyon. He's a fantastic guy and we dig much deeper than just his running career. We speak about his balance of music, athletics and academics at the University in Omaha, Nebraska, struggles with his college when adopting a whole food plant-based diet as an athlete, activism on his campus and continuing that throughout his travels, living in line with his values and also living a minimal lifestyle. I hope you guys really enjoy the episode and we'll see you on the other side. Alrighty, looks like we're rolling here. Welcome, Garrett Kenyon. Well, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> nah, really good to have you here, man. Um, thanks for, for driving up. You've been traveling around, doing races uh, all over the Northeast the last few weeks, about a month now. Yes. Yep. yep. So, appreciate you kind of, you know, digging this into your schedule. Of course. So, a little bit about Garrett, guys. He's a pro distance runner and you're, you know, basically just racing around the country at the moment, aren't you? Do you want to just... Let everyone know a little bit about where you've been recently, what races you've been running, and what you've got coming up in the next week. Yeah, so I've been on the road for the last uh, two months-ish. After I ended my training session in Boulder, I started moving uh, east and just kind of raced around the country. I made it to New York, uh, and yeah, uh, I've been kind of in, in between New York and Massachusetts for the last few weeks. Um, I just raced in Middletown, New York, and it was a chase race. It was a four miler. So the women were released three minutes and one second before the men. And then the men were released right after. Uh, so we had to chase all the women. Uh, and I didn't, uh, pa- I didn't pass the, uh, the winner until like 600 meters to go. So it was definitely a good fight for the finish. Um, so yeah, I won that one and I am, now, uh, this weekend, I'm headed to L.A. for Switch for Good. It's a campaign, anti-dairy campaign, uh, put on by Dotsie Bosch and a bunch of other vegan Olympians. Um, they're flying in elite vegan athletes from all over the country uh, and uh, doctor scientists uh, for uh, uh, pretty much a campaign for the next few days. 
uh, and then I'll be back and I'll be racing in Massachusetts for the next three weeks, uh, either one mile, a four miler, and then a 5k. So kind of busy. Cool. Cool. Yeah. You definitely got a lot on the plate, man. Yeah. Are you looking forward to the event in Los Angeles? That sounds really, really fun. Yeah. We've been planning it since, or they've been planning it since like, uh, June. Uh, so I've kind of known about it. It's been on the horizon and I've been anticipating it for the last few months. So I'm really excited to, uh, meet and hang out with a bunch of awesome, um, really well-known vegans and ultimately really learn a lot and, uh, come back with a, sense of uh no, more knowledge uh so it can be more well spoken on uh social media and in interviews and just uh as my name gets bigger in the running world and the vegan world i'm excited to be more well spoken cool cool so yeah before uh before you do get big in the running world let's uh let's go back a bit and and start to learn a little bit more about you know just some basic stuff about like where you grew up and uh what family life was like you know, back in, back in, uh, back in the day. Yeah. And obviously how you got into running and how it's developed over time to, to become a professional. Yeah. So I, let's see, I grew up in Colorado, um, Colorado Springs and I am, we have a family of five, um, all, all boys. And, uh, my mom and dad were great growing up. Um, we never really like, um, ate unhealthy. Uh, we had an awesome, like, time growing up and uh uh we have a pretty big split between my brothers so it's like um four and a half years between my older brother and I and then my little brother and I are two years apart uh so I'm the middle child um so we have you know classic uh brother quarrels growing up but uh now it's been amazing having my brothers and just our relationship has grown so much after after you go through like the whole college phase and um we, we have really cool relationships, uh, now. So, um, yeah. And then after I grew up, I did Colorado. Uh, I went to school in Omaha, Nebraska at Creighton university, uh, and ran there. Um, and yeah. Uh, how did I get into running? Uh, well, I was actually a big marching band, uh, nerd when I was, uh, growing up, I started playing, uh, trumpet in sixth grade. Um, and I, that was my passion. I loved music, and it still is. I, I love music. Um, but I started running in seventh grade because I was kind of on the chubbier side, and I wanted to, like, uh, lose a little bit of weight. And I, I knew my dad had run, and my mom had run, and my other brothers have been do, went and did sports. So um, I wanted to be somewhere in the athlete range and just started running, and I, I really liked it. Um, so I, just going out, like, for – casual runs after school or yeah it wasn't anything crazy like I was I started in like seventh grade and it was more of like the cross country it was fun I didn't I I like track I like cross country it was just kind of like a a fun thing to do on the side um and then eighth grade I kind of got a little bit more competitive and I and I was like really wanting to beat this one or these one or two guys and um that's when kind of like the competitiveness started coming out and then I went into freshman year of high school, and that's when I started, like, seeing myself as an actual competitor with the guys' team. And, like, I made varsity my freshman year, which was hard for a freshman to do. Um, what does that mean? I'm from Australia. I, you know, didn't grow up in, like, the high school or college system here. Yeah. So making varsity, what does that mean? So there's usually, in, in our school system, it was, like, a varsity team, a, a junior varsity team, so JV, and then there's usually a C squad. Um, so varsity is usually top seven for running. It's top seven because, um, you score five and the other two are just kind of like alternates. Um, and then, uh, JV is just like everybody else. That's not like they're, they're good. Uh, and then C squads kind of just like the beginners, usually the freshmen that are just starting to run. Um, so yeah, luckily I had a few years of running under my belt, um, and when I went into freshman year and I made the senior or like the, the, the varsity squad, which was like the top one. And, um, and after that, I think yeah, I, I have one of my, like most memorable freshman year races was it was down in Pueblo, which is like an hour South of the Springs. And 
the uh, it was uh, we actually were in a race and we placed one through five and I was the fifth guy um, to cross the line uh, and it was about to be one two three four and then I was sixth but I out sprinted the it was like this East African like freshman from another school um, and I beat him and it, we went through one through five so that was like probably like I was like, oh man, this is a really fun sport, like competing and like, it's not just like an individual sport, it is a team sport as well. Uh, and that's when I really saw that. Um, and yeah, ever, ever since then, it just started growing. And I had an awesome high school coach. Um, he really kind of fostered that competitiveness, but also keeping it light and fun. And, but like pushing me to like, actually like go for my goals. Um, I wanted to, um, go to state. I wanted to qualify. Uh, freshman year, we all qualified for state as a team. And then um, sophomore, junior, and senior year, whether it was a team or not, I qualified individually um, for state. And um, yeah, it was it was really fun. And in my senior year, I, I placed uh, sixth overall in the entire state of Colorado. Um, so that was like a kind of a really cool pinnacle moment. I was like, all right, like I'm definitely like decent um, and that's when I wanted, knew I was like, I, I want to do this in college. Um, that's awesome. Through, throughout high school, were you running the same distance as you are now? Mainly, you know, uh, these five, five Ks five are Ks? what you do in high school. Yep. Um, and then on the track, it's usually one mile, two mile. Um, and that's about it for high school. Um, college you bump up and for cross country, you do eight K and 10 K, um, which is five miles and 6.2 miles. Uh, and then uh, for track, you'd any, anywhere 5k and 10k, maybe some mile every once in a while. So you definitely bump up. And now as pro you, I kind of have a full range of things, uh, anywhere from mile up to half marathon is where I'm going to be racing for the next few years and doing most of my competing. Um, so it's not just restricted to 5k, 10k, but I, I really do like those distances. Um, but I'm excited to see and like experience different races and distances. For sure. That sounds, I mean, it sounds like a really cool journey. Yeah. Growing from, you know, you said, said yourself like the, the chubby kid in, in, in younger ages into, you know, a, a pro athlete is, yeah. is uh, quite, quite a cool journey. I never thought I was going to be go, going pro. I mean, I really thought I was going to do music. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be like a music teacher um, or a doctor. Those were like my two kind of career paths that I really wanted to focus on and when I got to Creighton and I decided that I didn't want to be in the school system anymore after that, like I just, I, I, I really believed that running was going to be my thing. And, uh, my coach did as well. And it, it's a very unstoppable force when you and someone else like believes in you and your potential. Um, anything is definitely possible. So at what point did, you know, you're looking at these more typical career paths in terms of teaching music and, and becoming a doctor. Mm -hmm. When did that switch for you? Were you already in university or was it leading in, into university coming out of high school where you were like, okay, I, I want to get to this college. Uh, I want to be a runner at the college and I want to develop my career from there. Was I mean, I actually wasn't that passionate about running and that's honestly probably a good thing for like where I'm at. Um, I, so I, I just didn't burn out. Um, because I think when people are so into running for so long, you can burn out real fast. Um, so I, um, I, in high school, I knew I did a lot of shadowing for medical school, like or med, med students and, uh, hospital stuff. And I, being an ER doctor was like my passion. I was like, I really want to do this. Um, and that's why I chose the college I did. Um, it had an ER, ER medicine program. I had an amazing med, med school program. Um, it had music. It offered me a scholarship for music. And then it also offered me a scholarship for running. And I was like, it's D1. Uh, it's, it's running. Like, it's great. I get to do this. And I was excited to like compete at the next level. Um, but that like competing at the next level is what hooked me into the sport and that's it's kind of like you know you have to put all your like chips in one basket like um I was spreading it pretty thin between like school like trying to get straight A's uh trying to go really into the music and maybe do a music major and then also like try to be really competitive on a d1 level 
and you kind of have to step back and say like, okay, do I really want to spread myself this thin? And we always say like an inch deep and a mile wide is not the way to go. It's like, and like an, in, in an inch, like an inch wide and a mile deep. Like mm. let's, let's dig deep into something. Uh, and jump in and that's when I kind of switched all my chips into the running it like it it, hooked me like when I started going plant-based and I started seeing results and in the running world I was like I can really do this and my that's when my coach was like you could you could be good and you could like you could be good in the sport so that's what like everything kind of happened at the the universe just kind of put all those things aligned right there and that's when I made my decision it was more of like sophomore year of college rather than uh, in high school that I knew I was going to do running Um, but sophomore year of college was like all right it's time to like put all the chips here and see where they fall and just go all in (laughs) wow so you had you had a pretty good deal at at the college so you Mm -hmm. you're studying what you really wanted to study yep You've got a music scholarship and a running scholarship. Yeah, it was academic music and uh, running, all scholarship. Uh, and they knew my passion for running. Uh, the music department did, so they knew. They just kind of let me do my one class and keep my scholarship, um, which was nice. Uh, and then uh, I added a double major and just uh, switched to exercise science and and just pretty much stretched out my uh, my four years into five years, so I could um, really focus in on the running aspect of my college. And every time I would go into class, and people are like, "Oh, what are you doing after college?" And I'm like, "I'm running professionally." And I would say that I would go to like uh, when we'd have career day and everything, and you had to stand up in front of the class and dress as your profession. Everybody would be dressed up in suits and ties, and I would dress up in like all my athletic Nike like swag, and uh, and they would be looking at me weird, like, and I'm like, "I'm running professionally after college. And this is what I'll be wearing." I won't be wearing a business suit. This is what I'll be wearing. And they, and it was kind of like, it took balls to do it. And like a lot of, like, I, of course I got a few bad grades for it, but I didn't care. I wasn't there for grades anymore. It was more of like, I'm going to impact students, uh, show them that like, you don't have to be conventional, uh, to live your, live your life. Uh, you can be passionate about something and live unconventionally. And, and that was like my entire, like last two years of college was just like doing really, big stuff like that at my college to like shock people (laughs) was that was that mentality and that confidence was that learned through the I suppose your ability or your coaches or anything like that or do you think it just became it came really natural to you because as you said that definitely takes balls to stand up Mm -hmm. in in a university where you know academics are obviously held very highly and we do live in a society where it's you know that's it's 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 society basically tells you you know once you're done with university you go and get your job and you get your 401k and all that and all that stuff so breaking the breaking the mold or going against the grain at a young age in a public way yeah very cool but yeah was it was it something you had within or was it? No, I mean, so my, I think it goes down deep to, um, my dad would always say you're a winner and you're awesome. Um, and whether or not it was kind of cheesy or not, um, my dad would say that to me constantly, whatever I would do. And, um, my mom was there always there for like to support me in the presence, like, like being there physically. And then my dad was working a tons, but he would, support me constantly when we were at home and, uh, and just say that you're a winner and you're awesome. And I still say that to myself every single day. And he says it to me. And, um, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a thing inside where you're just like, yeah, I am. I'm confident in who I am. And I am very fortunate to have parents that like accept me for who I am and whatever journey I'm down and doing. Um, they are, um, they're supportive no matter what. Um, so having that growing up is, was very, very, um, fortunate for me. Uh, and I think I got that in college where my coach, um, I think the, the next confidence switch clicked when I actually went plant-based and I started taking 
charge of my own education and I started taking um, charge of my own health. Um, that was a huge confidence boost because I was seeing results on a plant-based diet. I was seeing um, my test scores, everything was improving and I was studying less when I was uh, actually just like listening in class and learning and just, I feel like I was like defying the system of like of how you should be doing it. Um, and I was still succeeding really, really well. So like I was the guy in college who was kind of known for going against the grain and uh every single time i went against the grain like i got more confident in myself because i'm just like yeah like i can go against the grain and i can still be like great uh whatever i would do um like someone would say like oh you can't work and do like running and school and like all right i'll show you i worked three jobs and i took school uh full time and ran d1 college athletics like uh, there's that kind of like that, oh yeah, I'll show you um, type mentality I had in college. And that that really helped uh, build a confidence of like, I know I can do this after college. Because um, a lot of people are like, oh, your times, like they're not like as good as like all these other pros. And it's, I have this massive confidence in me in, because of my coach as well. Um, but as for me, like I know I'm going to be able to do this. Um, and just because I'm, I'm confident in who I am and uh, that I'm constantly growing. And, yeah, that's going to make me an amazing athlete. So when did the plant-based thing come into play? How did it – yeah, how did you find out about it? And being an athlete, often, often the opposite is, is thought. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be an athlete and be on a plant-based diet. Yeah. It's obviously – the wheels are spinning now and it's becoming, you know, more and more popular and we're seeing more mainstream media kind of pick it up with some NBA players and yeah. um, NFL players. But when did when did it occur to you and how did it occur to you that this would be potentially, you know, a game changer for your, for your performance and for your life? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, for, for me, it was the first three years of me doing uh, this plant-based diet was... Um, all strictly performance gains. And how I figured that out was um, my freshman year, I just started asking why. And uh, it was the dairy industry that I asked why first and cut out dairy. Um, Just started experimenting. And I just started feeling really, really good on eating plant-based. And I was recovering really well. Um, But it was more of just, it wasn't just changing my diet. Uh, and like, I think people can say, oh, I'm going to go vegan and then they switch and then they don't know anything about it and they can really fall into the trap of, um, doing something blindly. Uh, and that's what I think our society is in today. It's like, we're doing something blindly and not like understanding it and consciously doing it. So I wanted to consciously do this plant-based lifestyle um, and that's why I read. I read books. I read research articles. I did experiments on myself. I did. Um, that was like my being conscious in uh, how this actually affects me. Um, so th- that was like kind of the raising the conscious level throughout my college career and making sure I everything I, I did, I knew why I was doing it and it had a purpose. It wasn't just because society says you should you should study so you can get A's. And it's like, I'm not going to study and I'm going to get an A still, like that kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, so plant-based diet, um, I, I definitely got a lot of slack from it. Um, the college was definitely not supportive of it. Um, I had an uphill battle from day one at my college um, with a plant-based lifestyle. Um, In what way? The athletic department, uh, the teachers. Uh, I, the only per- people that were supportive of this plant-based lifestyle, a vegan lifestyle, what, uh, were uh, the actual team that I was on, the cross-country team. 80% of the team was actually vegan or plant-based during the season. And we, that was the culture that we set on the actual Creighton cross-country team was – you know, we ate healthy, we ate plants, we ate um, plant-based during the season, we did juicing before the races, all this stuff, because we wanted to go to the next level. It was it was just kind of like a, a mini semi-pro team, not just a college team. It was like we all wanted to do, like, get to the next level, um, and that included plant-based, a plant-based diet. Um, so even though the team were 80% plant-based, mm-hmm. the athletic department still... 
yes. weren't happy with um, it? Yeah, no, they tried to, <laughs> there was, there was a lot of like drama that went on, uh, in the college, um, with either academics, um, uh, yeah, my school, um, the, uh, the athletic department, I tried to get off like my, the meal plan my freshman year and they knew I was vegan and they were, they were worried about me going and just eating, uh, going down and eating burgers at the Billy Blue Jays bar, uh, and not like actually knowing how to cook for myself. And I had to like fight for like three months to just get off the meal plan so I could actually cook for myself and like make my own meals and, and once I did that, I had like this massive like performance like boost, uh, and I was able to like run really well. And even after that, and they saw that they still didn't like, they still were very hesitant. And and that's just like the mindset that a lot of the Midwest I I saw that Midwest has is it's a very like um, stuck in their ways. They don't want anything to change, um, and it was it was hard to be in that atmosphere because you know. I wanted to progress. I wanted to, um, yeah, <laughs> make progress in like, and you life. saw this as a way to do that. Yeah. And they did not, and they didn't want me to, um, talk about it. They didn't want me to like, uh, talk about it with the freshmen. They like, let's just keep it to yourself. They tried, it was like trying to like keep it hush hush. And I was like, I'm just going to talk about how amazing I'm feeling on a plant-based diet and how well I'm doing clearly because I'm setting all the school records. I'm like winning major races and like these kids that are coming in, they're like, man, you're running fast times. And then they see me eating plant-based diet. And some of them are like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. And some of them are like, Oh hell yeah, I'm going to do that. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to like get to that level. And those are the D one athletes that like actually or like D1 athletes that actually make it, whether it's in their career or whether it's in like athletics afterwards is they're the ones that like, oh yeah, they see something, they jump on it and they're going to like, they're going to implement it and go fully in. Um, so it was, it was an uphill battle and, uh, you just kept going. At I it. just, yeah, yeah, I never stopped. And no. I like, it was like always that I'm going against the grain and I'm still going to be going against it. I'm still, going against it in this pro world, uh, you know, athletes still are, have the stigma of you shouldn't be plant-based. And even though there's big time names going, um, but times are changing. Like it's definitely, it's definitely getting more well-known. I still got a lot of shit for it, but what, like what's when you're winning races, challenge? Yeah. <laughs> when you're winning races, I suppose it kind of speaks for itself. Exactly. What other you spoke a little bit before we we got on uh, got on air the the activism you were also doing on campus. Mm-hmm. So you you know I understand now that you you weren't afraid of pushing the pushing the barriers and pushing the limits uh, in in Nebraska. Yes, but if they weren't very happy with you eating plants, then I'm assuming they weren't stoked with you talking also about talking about it. So what kind of activism did you do? Mm-hmm. And yeah, how so, did that go down? I think like every vegan goes through it's like angry activist cycle, and I know I've heard your I've heard parts of your story, and you know, um, it, sometimes it can come across like very pushy or very um, you can push people away really fast, and um, I try not to like get to that. I mean, there were some points when you just see like those images and you just see like what's happening, the atrocities that are happening around the globe, and so many different things. I just, it's hard not to get like, uh, not get upset about it. Um, so on campus, I actually, so I was the coordinator for the World Vegan Day, uh, November 1st, uh, my fifth year. So my fifth year, I was actually in a lot of like protest activism. Um, so in the mornings we went and chalked the entire campus with like uh, chalkivism, like peace starts on the plate, uh, go vegan. Like all kind of, we did it in front of the athletic department. We did it we did it everywhere on campus. Uh, and that was like, you know, 4:30 AM in the morning. Uh, so it was like dark and no one would see us. And then, um, and it was awesome. And then, uh, we do like little things here and there. And then during the day we had this massive, like uh, trifold board and it had like 31 reasons or 31 excuses why people aren't vegan. And we had people come by the, uh, the vegan table and they would point to one and be like, I, I believe in this one. Like, uh, the, if we didn't kill animals, they would overpopulate the earth like that, like that excuse. They'd pick that. And then we would just like explain to them and give them, we'd have, we printed out research articles. We had activists that were there and we talked to them about it. Um, and just kind of like 
logically talk to them about it and be like, dude, like, and like Creighton is a very smart school. Like it's pretty, like we, they compare it like a Harvard to the Midwest. It's a very, very like, um, yeah, very smart people there. Um, so it's very easy for people to connect the dots and actually understand like, oh yeah, it's dumb to eat animals. Like, why are we eating animals? So we made a lot of impact that day. Um, and a lot of people were kind of just, uh, baffled that like, it doesn't, it's illogical to like cause unnecessary harm when we don't have to. Um, so that was like part of it. I, I would coordinate all like the activists and make sure there was always someone at the table. Um, we had some vegan food there. Uh, I showed earthlings on the actual, uh, mall. Um, so people would like come by and see that and they'd kind of like be shocked like that was actually happening. And, um, so that was like one of the events we did a lot of like sustainable, some sustainability stuff. Um, I went to like, uh, a, a protest against, um, uh, our school wasn't talking about someone got um, raped on our school uh, and there wasn't a lot of stuff being done about it so we had the, there was this massive protest on campus um, and uh, I went to that and I got interviewed by like the news station and I was like yeah I'm vegan and I was like if I don't uh, if I don't stand for the rape of a cow I'm for sure as hell not going to stand up for the rape of anybody else, especially a human or whoever. Um, that's me living congruently with my values. I don't think that any, any being should be, um, used, abused, um, and we should all be living compassionately. Um, so of course I'm going to be at those protests and supporting those things as well. Um, that's so, really cool. So yeah, that was my fifth year. A, a lot of feedback I see, uh, from, from non-vegan people is that, you know, hey, like, I think there's more important things that we need to pay attention to than looking after other animals. Like, what about humans? I see that, you know, time and time again. But what you're showing is that, hey, we can definitely do more than, you know, than one Just thing point. at a time. Uh, and sometimes they do actually coincide. Like, yeah. Um, it's not either or no exactly it's it's this and this and this like there i mean of course there's a ton of problems in the world and i think um being vegan is a solution to many many problems uh that we have and it can help with a lot of things is it the solution maybe not um but i think like people being conscious in like living a conscious lifestyle yes that is a major solution i think when people are actually conscious uh and care like the conclusion of that is living a compassionate and vegan lifestyle. It is not tolerate uh, tolerating rape. It is not tolerating um, any of the other stuff, uh, pollution or living um, with plastic. Like there's just so many things that you can like all, everything gets like aligned when, uh, yeah, living in line with your values is like something that we should all be, striving for and that's something that I made sure like in college to really pin down is like I want to make sure that I live with my values and I don't um I don't like uh contradict myself and because yeah. most people would agree that you know harming another animal is is not okay mm-hmm. yet you know we still pay others to to do the harming for us and we exactly. then collect the you know the neatly packaged meat products from the supermarket mm-hmm. go home cook them and eat them mm-hmm. uh, without thinking about it so it's just more about the the awareness of there's, the, of there's what's no, really like, going connection. on yeah no. and i completely empathize with you know with anyone that hasn't made the connection or or sees the connection and doesn't really want to act on it um i've been you know, I've been there yeah. and, um, yeah, it can, it can take time, I suppose, because the activism helps to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will act on it immediately. Others just take, I suppose, take time take to time. kind of cultivate this on their own. Mm-hmm. But really cool that you're consistently, you know, doing this and, and standing up for the right things in a place like like Omaha that yeah I can definitely see the resistance to to the change um yeah so I mean it is a, it's a state capital of the nation like it's Omaha Steaks is based in Omaha like that kind of 
mentality and uh stigma i guess you can call it it's it's there and um that's why i think it was good for me to be done with college um when i when i did because i was ready to be out of that environment and onto bigger uh bigger things um i think there's still awesome activists there trying to change things and i i applaud them and i definitely will go back and help but um yeah you set the foundation and now it's yeah it's yeah. time for others to to pick it up and and keep rolling with it exactly so you've you know you've left some sort of legacy at the university and it sounds like people are continuing to fight for yeah fight for these i think so i mean whether it's the student body or whether it's people uh, in omaha i think there are a lot of um people in the area that are waking up and actually seeing what's going on and fighting for what is right. So. Awesome, dude. So, you know, the time's right to leave college. Mm-hmm. How does, you know, everything happen for you when, when you wrap up college? What was the, the moves you made? Yeah, so I, let's see, in my last semester in college, I had a fifth year, and I um, only had three credits. Um, so it was nice because I only had one class um, and I would have it in the morning. Uh, so it was really good for me to like push that um, or kind of like get used to the pro lifestyle already. Um, so I was pretty much training in the morning, training in the evening, kind of getting ready in that lifestyle. And I'd have class every, you know, every other day. Um, super simple. Cruisy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so and that's 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 the semester that I got to really be active and be an activist, um, and start contacting sponsors and that kind of thing. So it was a really good, I was working a lot too, and it was a really good, uh, semester just of growth mentally and physically. Um, I graduated in May of 2017 and then, um, you know, I was kind of plagued through college with a bunch of injuries. Um, I would like nothing like major. It was just like little things would pop up here and there. Um, and it's just really kind of that experimenting um, with training. And um, we haven't, we didn't get like a really good, like consistent uh, cycle of training. And I don't think it was due to necessarily like the training um, stimulus because we, we knew we could handle it. I think it was more of the actual stress of being in college. And stresses has a massive play in our lives, whether it's work, school, whatever, stress is a killer. Um, so I think, wh- so when I graduated, I moved back to Colorado uh, and moved in and I was house sitting uh, in the area. Uh, so I was actually able to train there for like, I think it was uh, eight months, uh, six to eight months, somewhere in there. And uh, I got like really consistent training in and I didn't have the stress of college and I went from getting injured every, you know, four to eight weeks, something popping up. I had 250 days consistent consecutively trained and that was like a massive boost to my like confidence that like wow college is like it's in the past like the stress is out now I can just like focus on my career and like staying healthy and when I got that much training and I had like some pretty big jumps in fitness and like I was competing against some pretty big guys and ran a really good time and um yeah so I'm excited to get back and I had a little injury in March um after that and it was something something small um but we took some time off just to make sure um because we have a long career ahead of us and we didn't want to we don't want to push anything um so yeah uh now i'm back training and i'm about 12 13 14 weeks somewhere in there um in healthy and i'm getting back in i'm trying to get to that 250 days and keep keep climbing and um making sure i'm consecutively healthy so um, that's kind of where I'm at right now with, with training. And, um, I've done, I've been doing a lot of travel as like my first, after like that little stunt in Colorado, um, it's been traveling, uh, every state and my lifestyle is pretty much like when I am traveling, it's every two to three days I'm in and out of a, a new house in and out of a new city. And like, it's, I don't, so everybody's like, Oh, so where's home for you? And I'm like, well, home is like here. It's like, it's where I am at. Like it's wherever, like at home is like, yeah, it's in, it's in Albany. It's in Massachusetts. It's in Rochester. So like wherever I go, that's where home is because that's where I'm at. Um, and that's where I see it. It's like, it doesn't, you don't have to be like considered, um, like a home 
wherever you're at. Uh, that's just like another conventional way of thinking. Um, so, and when I say that people are like, wow, you're living a very different lifestyle. And, um, and I love that because yeah, I am, it's, it's hard and it's, it's a very, um, challenging lifestyle to live, but I know it's making me grow in a lot of areas in my life and I'm paying my dues in the running world by racing, racing often. And, uh, yeah, so that's cool. So this is something I want to, I want to get into. So you know, we, we talk about pro athletes, right? And, and people often think like, you know, you're on the TV, you're in the Olympics, you've got huge sponsors to be a pro, but often that's not the case. Yeah. Pro athletes often have to, you know, really dig it out yeah. to make this lifestyle um, something that they can continue uh, for years on years on years. And, and develop their career. Yeah. So how are you managing that? It sounds like eight months in Colorado was nice. Yeah. With with house sitting. Do, do you do that through like friends or a website or how so, do you manage that? So with, let's see. I mean, so yeah, my like, I guess digging deep uh, or let's see. The the constant travel and having to make that work is just, um, another good stimulus for me. Like, so, right. I'm really good with like get being challenged when I get challenged and I face adversity. Um, that's when I react and I perform the best. Um, when things like when shit hits the fan, that's when I'm there and I know how to like handle that. Um, and I love that type of thing. So actually when I was eight months in Colorado or whatever, uh, it was actually, it was, it was fine for me, but like, I wasn't being challenged. I was able to like, I was kind of able to get comfortable. I was like staying one place and I wasn't, uh, growing from a different stimul uh, from that, uh, point of view. Um, so it was nice for when I was actually, now I'm on the road and constantly traveling and moving. It's a whole different ball game. You have to figure out rest, recovery. You have to figure out who you're going to be staying with. Um, and trying to save money. Uh, there's just like, there's a bunch of like different stimulus that you have to be able to re- react upon. Um, and a lot of pros don't go through that. Like they just, they go and they train in Boulder for however much. And then they go and travel to one or two races or a few races throughout the year and everything. And, uh, that's not me. Like, that's not the way that we're going to do it on our team. Um, uh, we're going to pay our dues and, um, I can call myself a professional. I, I, the way I feel that is because I have raced so often and so much in the first year and a half out that, um, I have developed the mentality of like, this is my profession and I go to these races and I show up and I have to do what I need to do to win that race. Um, because that's what I'm surviving on. Um, so it's kind of a survival mentality. Um, and, it's definitely hard. Um, but like I said, like challenge is good. Growth is good. So how do you, how do you navigate like where you're going to stay? So I get in contact with, uh, vegan groups, running groups on Facebook, um, or just through kind of word of mouth people that know. Um, and I really like staying with, uh, vegetarians or non-vegans because I feel like it's my, my way of activism. So like I don't, Um, you know, preaching to the choir is, is just, it's, it's kind of pointless, um, in a sense. Uh, I, uh, it's great to connect with other vegans, but I really like going into houses that like don't have that stimulus of like, they don't know what a vegan is or uh, vegetarians that like are kind of just like being lazy and they, they, they know that they should be vegan and they want to like, they, 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 they can make this step and I'm there, there to like motivate them and like push them to the like you got this, like go vegan, you got this and kind of give them like the inspiration, motivation to do it. Um, so that's kind of like my other way of activism. I'm like, I'm kind of an activist, a 24 seven activist, 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, the host I stay at, I'm like, I'll talk about it and I'll like, I'll, uh, try to inspire and motivate people to be a plant-based, uh, um, person, um, in the house, but also, in when I run at the races, uh, after the races with the elites, with the youth, um, during the day when I'm talking to people on social media, or if I'm doing like, um, 
uh, youth clinics. Like my life, I really want to be that activist 24 seven. Um, so I can impact as many people as possible. I feel like that's my calling is just to like try to impact and give and inspire uh, as many people as possible. So that's really cool that you're still able to implement the activism into various you know, just, aspects, just like living situations. And mm-hmm. as you travel, uh, as you run. Yeah. So. And I know there's, it's great to, you know, be in like the animal rights March, uh, in New York mm-hmm. or like, you know, uh, there's some anonymous for the voiceless, those types of things. Those are great. And I get to be a part of those as well. Um, but my really good part of activism is going deep in conversation with people and like allowing people to, I, I open up to people, people open up to me and then kind of like talking about like, how can we live more compassionately and really just live in, live in accordance with our values. Like our values, we don't want to do harm. Like naturally we don't want to see harm in our lives. So why can't we just like live in line with that? And sometimes it's a little, um, it's some, it's some tough medicine to swallow. Sometimes people are like, kind of like, Whoa, like you're kind of speaking the truth and I don't like it. And, um, but at the same time, they're like, I really needed to hear that. And, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been great just doing that throughout the last year and a half. How is the running community adapting to, to, I suppose, plant-based living and, and plant-based diets? Is it, is it something that, you know, a lot of people are doing. I know like Scott Jurek, the, mm-hmm. you know, ultra runner, he's been a plant-based runner for a long time. And there's, yeah, I've definitely heard of some, some more people that are, that are popping up as ultra runners. I just had some people on that were yeah, um, on the podcast doing triathlons and, and ultra running as well. Uh, all, all plant-powered, but like in your experience, are you getting a lot of people coming to you and saying, Hey Garrett, how, how are you doing this? It's, it's becoming more and more as I'm winning more races. It's, I think that's a big thing for me. It's like, as I win the race, people are like more inclined to come up and talk to you about, they see my website and they're like, we realize you were vegan. Can you tell us more about that? And I'm like, I would love to, um, in the running world, there's the ultra, it's like the, the running world is like kind of separated. There's like the trail running, ultra running world. Um, and then there's the road and the track world. And, um, it's kind of like a two separate worlds. Um, but they're in the, in the trail and the ultra world, there's a lot of people that are vegan, um, plant-based. Uh, it's a very, it's way more common in that, in that area. Um, and you'll see that just because it, they recover so much faster. They need to because they're going six and a half to eight hour runs and they, the next day they have to be able to perform. Yeah. So I, yeah. So in like the road world, uh, it's similar, um, in the sense that we have to recover really fast for the next workout, but the plant-based thing is not that very popular. Um, that's why I think that's where my calling is because, I want to be, I think like, you know, trails and, uh, trails and ultras would be fun and everything. Um, but I see myself as being very competitive in the road, in the track world. I can, I know I can be fast. Um, and I know I want to use my platform as a vegan athlete to impact that running sphere of that, that really fast track, that Olympic track. Um, and then the roads, um, because, there's not many people that are plant-based in that, um, in that world. So it's definitely a goal of mine to, to put, put that into people's minds and be like, Whoa, you can actually run. It's not just long. It's, you can run fast as a plant-based athlete as well. Yeah. I find it, I find it surprising that more athletes aren't picking it up. Mm -hmm. It's like a secret sauce that you just, (laughs) and you, it's a secret sauce, but, now it's not so secret, yeah. If you know what I mean, like the the, the information is out there. There's mainstream documentaries that are out there. Um, you know, someone that I use in it as an example is Tom Brady. Mm. You've got a 40 year old guy that you know he looks like he's playing as a as a 25 year old, a 30 year old with the with the head of a 40 year old, yeah. you know, and the experience of a 40 year old. Um, you've got Venus Williams, tennis player, again, still dominating the female tennis circuit at an older age. And I don't understand why people aren't clicking and seeing that, 
look, these guys, you know, into their late 30s and 40s are still going at a very, very high level. And it's now very clear what has helped in, in this, you know, pursuit of longevity. Yeah. It's not just the food, you know, I'm sure they have amazing recovery practices and maybe, you know, meditation and mindfulness in there as well to, to really round it out. But are you surprised that more people aren't just like going all in as we were talking about before? Uh, yeah. So I think two things. So I just met this uh, ultra runner, trail runner, um, but also like a road athlete. He's His name is Tim Van, Tim Van Orden. He's based out of Vermont and he's a multi-US time or US champion in multiple disciplines. Um, and he's like 50, 52, um, and he is dominating and that, and he explained to me, he's like, you know, all the, the young guns and everything they're doing, they're, they're doing their thing. Um, and, but then when they get to my age, they can't perform and they can't like, it's just, they don't have the longevity. They don't have any, they, they're done with the sport by like, you know, by at the end of their thirties, they're done. Um, forties, they're just kind of hobby joggers and they just can't run when they get up to like upper forties. And he's like, he's going for the world record for his age group, which is like breaking 15 for his age group, which is like unbelievable for him. Um, which is, and I know he'll do it. Um, but that's what he explained to me is like, that, um, is the difference between, um, going vegan and sustaining it is you're going to be able to compete at a high level at a high level for whatever your age group is for a longer time. And people, the younger athletes, they're not seeing that. And they're not seeing that your sport is, can be a lifelong sport. Um, and like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just, uh, be done after a few years of high level performance. Like you should be able to enjoy your sport for the rest of like for the rest of your life. And, uh, I think, being vegan and eating a plant-based diet is like what like allows you to do that. Um, yeah. So I'm, and I, I am surprised that people aren't making that connection. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm not because a lot of the athletes are always thinking about like the now, like a lot of the survey, like they surveyed some of the Olympic athletes and they said, um, if you would take, um, drug, if you would take drugs that would like shorten your lifespan by like 10 years, um, or, uh, but you would win an Olympic gold, um, uh, versus, uh, not taking it and you would, you know, get like, I think it was like a silver or like a bronze. Um, they chose to shorten their life 10 years and win the gold. Uh, and that's just kind of the athletic, that athlete mindset of just like win at all costs. But I think it's, it's like they're hitting the, the bullseye on the wrong target. It's like, yeah. it's, like jump all into this and it's like, you're going to be able to perform um, like amazing and you're going to be, um, longevity. You're not going to have to, you're going to get that gold and you're going to get that 10 years. It's not going to be like either, or it's going to be, you get both like, um, you got to switch. (laughs) It's, it's, I suppose it's a lack of connection. I'm not an athlete myself, but you know, having the freedom to move, the way that you want your body to move as an athlete is there's nothing bigger. Mm-hmm. Your body is your tool to, you know, to, to propel you through the career that you, that you've chosen. Yeah. Well, you and if only have one body. <laughs> yeah. You only got one. And if you're burning it out because, you know, you you're going day after day, training session after training mm-hmm. session. You know, if you're playing games on the weekends or you're, you're doing running meets, you know, yeah. um, multiple times a month or whatever. Um, weekly, yeah. Yeah, weekly. Um, yeah, I don't think we're making the connection that you, you can dangle the gold medal mm-hmm. out in front of your eyes. But, you know, when you are getting into your 40s and 50s, and that's all you've got. Yeah, I'm assuming that's going to be a huge blow to to the people that would still love to be out there running, um, swimming, playing yeah. football. Um, it can even really debilitate them to the point where you know 
their knees are shot, their ankles are shot, and they can't play with their kids and stuff like that. But as you said, you you can have it. You can have it all. You don't have to sacrifice the the long term health for the for the short term gain. Yeah, and we shouldn't have to sacrifice anything. Like, I uh, I don't like that word. Like, where you have to compromise. Like, I, I'm not gonna compromise on this. Like, it's it's a like like uh, wait, uh, let's see. Um, when you compromise something, that means you're giving up something that you believe in to meet somewhere in the middle. And, uh, I feel like I'm not going to compromise. I see that as like my values. Like I, I'm not going to compromise my values to agree with something that you just want me to agree on. Um, so yeah, you shouldn't compromise for something that you don't believe in. Um, and I don't know how I got off of that, that, yeah, tan- no, that tangent. But. I suppose that's, that's really it there. Like, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of it all. We, we, can, now, we can now see when people went plant-based mm-hmm. and we can see how it plays out for them. Yeah. They're in the public eye and yeah. that's all... My, I know the science is very important, but the anecdotal evidence is, is going to be what we, what we visually get to see. Yeah. So let's see how it plays out. But in the future, are you interested at all in, you know, like the Boston Marathon, for example? Oh, are, yeah. You are? Oh, yeah. I think like, so my uh, coach and I have a very long-term mindset. Um, we And we we sat down my sophomore year in college and, ex- and we explained it. He explained it to me. He's like, Garrett, you're going to be like, I can see you being an amazing like marathoner eventually. Uh, and I, I kind of had like that inkling and, um, and with that, it, it came, it, it wasn't like, let's go to marathons right after college. Cause I think that's a big mistake that mo- a lot of people do. Um, they graduate college and then like two or three years down the road, they're already starting at a marathon and their bodies just aren't ready for it. Like your tendons, your bones, your, like your ligaments, everything has to like grow and mature and like get to a certain point where it can handle an actual marathon. Like you can, you can fake speed and like go to it, but that's the same thing. It's like, are you going to be able to do that marathon? If you start at like 20, let's say 26, are you going to be able to start keep marathoning until like 30, like 32? probably not like you're probably going to have like two or three years of like success you'll be good but you're just not going to be able to like I don't we don't think it's going to be you're going to be able to compete really well so our mentality is to like progressively do it and like progressively load the body and just take our time and like not rush that process because we want to make sure the body grows and matures and it's going to take us years to get there um like this 2020 olympic cycle um we have plans to qualify for the 5k 10k um on the the track for the trials um and so we won't even think about marathoning until probably 2024 but by that time i'll be going on 30. So like I'll probably have a a one or two marathons under my belt, uh, for 2024 and then 2028, that's when you're going to be, I'm going to be really good at marathons. And I think like those like six to, uh, yeah, six to 10 years from now, like that's, that's how far I'm thinking ahead. It's not just like, what's like my, my three year, four, five year plan. It's like, no, no, no. I have like a, like a 10 to 12 year plan ahead of me, like, and making sure that like Boston is on the map, like New York, Berlin, Chicago, like these big time, like it, like world, uh, marathons. Like I definitely want to do them and compete at them. And, um, I want to run at the Olympics of the marathon and, um, yeah. That's a cool vision, man. Really cool vision. sounds like you've got it really dialed in and yeah. You and your coach both huge believers yes, that, sure. that this is going to happen. So Olympics 2020, 2020. Yes. Where's where's that being held? 2020 is in Tokyo. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So um, the trials are in uh, Eugene, Oregon this year. They mm-hmm. were supposed to be in Mount Sac, California, but they got moved. Um, so yeah, they're in Eugene only a few months before um, the actual Olympics. I think they're in July and the Olympics start in actually August. So, um, so it's a very quick turnaround. Um, but that's, yeah, that'll be in 2020. Um, 
we're hoping that this uh, this winter and spring we'll hit the the trials qualifying time for the 5K and then uh, just keep improving upon that. And when we get to the trials, we'll be ready to throw down with everybody. Got it. So you have to qualify for the trials. Yep. So you have to qualify from. So this two-year period is you can now qualify for the trials, and once you qualify, uh, you'll get there, um, and you have to be able to make the final. So whatever distance I decide to run, uh, if you make the final and you make top three, um, that's the top three go to the Olympics. Um, so it's a very, very small amount of people um, that represent your country. But um, you got to be able to compete, and you got to be able to go for it. So... Um, how are you feeling? I feel good. Like I, I feel excited to qualify and be there um, and compete. Um, and, and I it's, know it's two, this year. Uh, no, twenty twenty. So no, twenty twenty is the Olympics, but the qualification is also twenty twenty. Qualification is any you can run that time to qualify for the next two years. So I have two years to run that time. Got so it. you can like run it and like submit your time. Um, so yeah, uh, I have time to like work up to it. So I think in two years, I'm going to be very well, um, seasoned for, um, how much racing I've been doing and how the mentality that I'll have when I get to that Olympic trials, um, I'll be ready to compete with whoever is there. So mate, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. (laughs) That's really exciting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All the best, man. Thank you so much. I'll be watching. That'll be. We can look back to this. We can yeah, look back to yeah. this conversation in a, in a couple of years, and we can um, we can reconnect and and do another one. I'm sure. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for just you know the future for our team, um, which is an all vegan, uh, all vegan team, and I'm excited for what it stands for and what it can do and what the platform is going to like take. Um, but I'm excited for the athletes that we have now and what we will have in the future and um yeah and how and how how good we will be um but ultimately to use our platform for the betterment of the the world the vegan movement and so on so yeah i love that i really do one thing i do want to touch on before we wrap this up is i feel like you know with the the way you live your lifestyle um and the you know, you want the ability to be able to move around the country, the world, to do races. Mm-hmm. You want to be financially stable. Um, all of these things. We were speaking off air about a more minimalist way of living. Yeah. So how do you plan on implementing this into your life as as, as we progress? And um, yeah, is there any any triggers that are out there that have really got you on this path to, to a more minimal lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, I saw in college, I think once you like go down the vegan road, everything starts opening up and you're like, Oh, there's minimalist lifestyle. There's zero waste. There's this and this. And And there's so many like things you just, you become more aware of yourself and aware of like, just aware of what's around you. Um, that's just one of the benefits of being vegan. Um, so as the last six years, I've, as I've been like researching and seeing new stuff, I see, I've seen like the minimalism, uh, documentary. Um, and that kind of really hit me. Like I can say now that like I, all the stuff that I own can fit in my car. Um, and I can pick up and move wherever I want. Like, um, that's just kind of a liberating feeling. Like I'm not tied down to somewhere. Um, and it's, definitely weird to say like uh like where is home for you and like i said earlier it's like home is where i'm at and wherever my car is at um (laughs) it's like oh you're living out of your car i'm like no i'm like i'm just choosing this lifestyle right now um you know eventually i want to be able to um so right now i'm like doing a ton of training or training and traveling eventually i want to be able to um uh i want to be able to like have a training uh, ground in New York, one in Florida and one in Colorado and like be able to like go each time and, uh, and like maybe have a tiny house at one of the places, but I really want to make sure I live minimally throughout my life. Um, no, I, I think it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. With, with what you're trying to do. So what are you going to, 
what are you going to do to to sustain the lifestyle? Is, you mentioned a tiny house. Tiny house would be uh, ideal. I think I want to have a tiny house up at the, the New York uh, base. Um, uh, I think having that kind of uh, like stimulus, I guess, would be really, really cool. Just being able to live not grandiose. I think everybody sees pro athletes as like, oh, like these are like, um, these pro athletes are living so luxuriously and like in mansions and everything. You won't ever find me in a mansion. And if you do, and I'm contradicting myself right now, come to the mansion and like, like <laughs> slap me in the face. Uh, but I don't think that'll happen. Uh, I, I will always, I, I want to stay humble. I don't want to stay close to my roots. Uh, and I want to make sure that I'm like, I want to be in nature. Um, and I want to live that minimalist lifestyle wherever I go. Um, and not have to like be, um, that typical pro athlete where I'm just, um, living somewhere and training somewhere or, um, just living that grandiose lifestyle. I, I, I'd like to stay humble with, how much I make or, um, how famous I get, whatever. Like I want to make sure that I stay feel, grounded, stay grounded. And it's yeah. not the things Mm-mm. it's the, it's, it's, the experience. It's, it's the experience. It's, it's definitely, and it's just being in that moment. It's not, you get so much more fulfillment out of literally just like, I, I get so much fulfillment just sitting on the grass and just like breathing in the air and just like seeing the trees and just being and hearing the birds and the, like every, I've all this stuff. Like I, it's just, it's, when you're present in the moment, there's nothing like it. And it's just simply beautiful. So, so right there, I'm going to finish up with a quote that's on Garrett's website. And then we can wrap that up. I think it's a good place to, to finish everything up. We've kind of come full circle to really understand exactly what you're all about. Yeah. So you can find Garrett on GarrettMKenyon.com. And what are your Instagram and Facebook and the handles there? Everything is at Garrett M. Kenyon. So full name. And that's two R's and two T's. So the quote is, every moment there are a million miracles happening around you, a flower blossoming, a bird tweeting, a bee humming, a raindrop falling, a snowflake wafting along the clear evening air. There is magic everywhere. If you learn how to live it, Life is nothing short of a daily miracle. And that's by Saad Guru. So we'll finish up there, man. Really appreciate you coming on to the Veg Talk podcast. It's been really cool to, you know, Thank to you. dig in and, and, and hear more about your life. And I'm excited for you. Can't wait to follow you and, and see how everything pans out. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers, Garrett. Thank you, man. Cheers. Hey, guys. Garrett's a pretty impressive human. Am I right? It was really cool to hear what life is like behind the scenes for a professional runner traveling around the country and to also dig deeper into his story. I think we we definitely have a perception of what a professional athlete looks like, sounds like, lives like and he's definitely going against the grain and really encourages people to live a life not dictated by society's normals something I'm really inspired by myself. So you can follow Garrett's journey at Garrett M. Kenyon. That's on all social media handles as he battles it out for an Olympic spot in 2020. Very exciting stuff. If you're an athlete and you have any questions for Garrett on running and eating plant-based, feel free to drop him a message. I'm sure he would love to hear from you and he's always willing to to help others out as always guys i love hearing from you all so feel free to drop me a message and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode by connecting with me at veg talk on instagram and if you have a spare one to two minutes if you can leave a review and a rating on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts these days that would be so much appreciated as it really helps reaching more people around the world. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week.